coming up next on The Health Hustle. Definitely the most expensive, not only in terms of uh, financial costs, but emotional costs um, has been not knowing how to hire. It has been a painful process to figure that out. So I have gone through, I've had one, two, three, four, five, six hires and one contractor, and I have three employees right now. So it's been a 50% effectiveness rate, which is not something I'm satisfied with. (laughs) So I had to kind of figure out, like I was saying before, like how to apply the whole like systems and processes and, you know, being intentional and thinking about excellence to something that I'd never done before, that I'd never gone to school for before, never been around. And so I didn't know what I didn't know until I had gone through the process and hired people that were not good fits and you know, they weren't getting the support that they needed from me or the freedom. I wasn't getting the results that I needed from them. And that causes a heck of a lot of stress. Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Health Hustle. I'm your host, Corey Hibben. And on this episode, I get a chance to sit down with Katie Garrett of Wise Wellness Functional Medicine. We get into why she decided to get into healthcare in the first place, her fascination with nutrition, how she was able to build her business and fill her schedule in three months, the challenges of hiring her first employee, automations, why you should know what you stand for, her most expensive mistake, and so many other fun and exciting things. If you haven't already, do us a huge favor and please subscribe and write us a review. This show is about helping health and fitness professionals to build a business that fits your lifestyle. By giving us a review, it helps other people find the show and join us on the journey. Also, if you're looking for tips about designing your website and marketing your health business, sign up for my three tips Tuesday newsletter at coreyhigh.com. Without further ado, mm, let's go. Katie Garrett, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, thanks for doing this. This will be fun. So your background, just a little bit, you're going to cover more of it because obviously you can introduce yourself way better than I can, but <laughs> you used to be a personal trainer, wellness coach, functional medicine, clinical nutritionist, obviously have done, as one might say, all the things in the health and fitness industry. <laughs> Let's find out how did you initially get into it and what's the story there? Yeah. So when I was growing up, my mom started coming down with a random assortment of a lot of different health issues and symptoms and was going to the doctor and they couldn't figure out what was going on. They just kept telling her, well, your labs look normal. So it's probably in your head and like, go home and reduce your stress. She's got five kids, you know, so like, oh, it's just because your mom of five kids. It's fine. And she was having like neurological symptoms, muscle twitching, uh, wasn't able to like swallow appropriately, um, and a ton of pain, couldn't sleep, like a lot of stuff. And they're like, oh, you just, you're a mom of five kids. Um, and so she kind of kept going to different doctors and like the neurologist would find that there's some things going on with her body. Um, they diagnosed her with dystonia, which is kind of like a, where your muscles and your nerves don't communicate appropriately and reduces your coordination, kind of makes your muscles more rigid, but she would like do acupuncture or or go to like a physical therapist. Um, and they couldn't like, she would just get worse. And so I was like, you know what? I was like 12, you know, 11 or 12 at the time. And she started buying like her own medical books. And I was like, I'm going to read these. I'm going to solve the problem for her because I'm a middle child. (laughs) And so I have to keep the peace in the house (laughs) and her, yeah, her being sick was not doing that. So I started reading medical encyclopedias uh, is where I started <laughs> my journey. And what then a weird came kid a- you were just for the I know. Time. Yeah, I, I am. Um, I was very scholastic. I still am. And that's just why I love functional medicine. Cause it's like the better you read a lot of research and science, the better you do in your job. And I'm like, that's the perfect job for me. <laughs> so I, I found some books that 
you know, had a lot of health advice in there and started applying it to myself and noticed improvements for myself. And then my mom finally got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and, but the doctors were like antidepressants and muscle relaxers that kind of turned her into a zombie. And she was like, don't really want to use that to treat myself. I can't really be a zombie and a mom of five at the same time. So she didn't really have anything that could, could help her. And so that kind of is what got me interested in health. But when I went to college, I didn't really think that like, you could really make a living just like helping people be healthy. <laughs> I didn't want to be a doctor because they just help people with disease and that wouldn't have helped my mom. It didn't help her. So I just started getting interested in public policy. Like maybe we need to change things on a system level, but, uh, ended up doing some health coaching after graduating when trying to look for a government job and fell in love with working one-on-one in health coaching. And so after a couple of years of doing that, I went to be a physical therapy tech thinking maybe if I get more in the medical system, uh, I can take my personal training skills and use it on people who are really sick, but I would always talk to them about nutrition. (laughs) And so one day my, uh, physical therapy supervisor, uh, came to me and said, I need to stop doing that. I had told one of his physical therapy patients to take aloe to help with her heartburn that helped. And so she got off of her heartburn medication. Her doctor said, why aren't you taking the medication I prescribed? And she said, because my physical therapist told me that I could do aloe instead and it works. (laughs) Yes. So that doctor told our physical therapy practice, you got one of my patients off of a medication. I told her to take that's, I don't want you interfering with my work with them. And so the supervisor is like, you can't talk to them about nutrition anymore. You have to stick with just physical therapy. And that's when I realized I have to do this. I have to find a way to do this for a living because that's all I want to talk about. <laughs> that is like a serious ego issue. I feel like of that doctor where you, yeah. you literally helped them not only get better, but get off of a medication and then they were upset about it. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, that's not too uncommon. What's the fascination mm-hmm. with nutrition and food? I understand like obviously the interest in health because of what happened with your mom and, but why the nutrition specifically? Because that seems to just be the most impactful way that we can change our health. So our nutrition is basically sending messages to our body to tell it how to function. So mm-hmm. it's like the, the most like interface that our, our anatomy and physiology gets with the outside world is uh, mostly through nutrition. So anything to work in your body on a physiological level is going to require, you know, some type of nutrient, um, is going to require a vitamin or a mineral or a fat or a carb or things like that. And then we can also utilize herbs like non-nutrients to, um, impact all of our pathways. So we can use herbs to upregulate certain things, downregulate certain things, um, help our symptoms, help address root causes. So it's just so quick and impactful and provides, a solution on a very foundational level. Hmm. As Mark Hyman would say, food is medicine. I got to tell yeah. you this story. So we're in Orlando, Florida here with my, my best friend and staying with his parents just to spend some time with him. And we were talking about some of the foods that we grew up on as kids. And they were talking about, they're like, yeah, I used to, I used to eat fig Newtons and hamburger helper and uh, hostess and like basically naming all these name brands. And I couldn't help but find it humorous that relatively speaking in like the actual, like how long name brands and processed foods have actually been around, which maybe is like hundred years at most, like all of human history was like, no, I had fruits and vegetables and meat. And, and then now it's like, no, I grew up on insert name brand. And I couldn't yeah. find that fascinating that the norm has become 
my foods that I eat are some company or corporation. Yes. You know, what always makes me just laugh out loud is when I read a package and it's like, contains real cheese, you know, <laughs> contains real peanut butter. <laughs> and it's like, like, that's a shock. I know. Like when has that become like a, a marketing tool? Like my food has real food in it, you know? But if you knew like what I grew up on, I mean, people, oh, I'm the same way. People cannot believe that I'm a nutritionist because like the first time I really had vegetables other than carrots and celery was college. Like, I didn't even know what a cucumber or an avocado was. Like, I didn't, like, if someone had shown me them, I would be like, I don't know what that is. Is that some type of foreign thing? Like, <laughs> so yeah, I only grew up on cinnamon toast crunch or Reese's puffs for breakfast. We had white bread with bologna and a hostess cake with a Capri Sun for lunch. Mm. And then we had hamburger helper or tomato soup with English muffins and jelly for dinner. <laughs> or more cereal or sometimes just ice cream. So <laughs> it's fascinating how, yeah. how far we've come in such a small period of time, which obviously probably says a lot about why so many people have autoimmune issues now. I mean, this is something that you dealt with yourself as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everyone in my family, so in order to have an autoimmune condition, you need to have three things. You have to have a genetic predisposition, um, a leaky gut and an environmental trigger. And so my family has a very strong genetic predisposition. So out of us, five kids, all five of us have been diagnosed with autoimmune disease. It is interesting that while we mostly share the, one of the same autoimmune conditions, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, we don't share some of the other ones, but we all have autoimmunity. My mom has it as well. And so it's something that has become near and dear to my heart because that's how I kind of decided that that has to be my job was through working with my endocrinologist. And, you know, at the same time, I'm, you know, working in the physical therapy clinic and I had had low thyroid markers, hypothyroidism for several years. They were very slowly increasing my medication. And then they finally were able to optimize my numbers. And, but I still felt terrible. I had joint pain and fatigue and gut issues. And so at the last doctor's appointment, she was like, well, we did it. Like we optimize your numbers. Like you're good. Bye. And I was like, wait, I don't, I don't feel better. Like I still have all these things. What do we do? And she, you know, just kind of like leaned in and was like, look, I'm here to treat your hypothyroidism. I've already treated it. We accomplished that goal. If you just need to feel better, there's someone else you need to go to for that. Dang. And I just kind of, I know it was like, I love the directness and the transparency. And so I just got in the car and I was like, who's that person? Like, who do we go to, to just feel better if we don't have a disease? And that's when I was like, I have to be that person. Like, I'm not going to just do nutrition. I have to do functional medicine because we need people out there who can just help us feel well. I and that's that. not what the medical system is for. It's for people who are just, you know, having disease that they need to treat short term. I love that so much. It actually reminds me of a conversation I had with another functional medicine practitioner who he says the way the healthcare system is designed today is that it's designed to keep you less than dead, but less than healthy. Hmm. Yes. And yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> right. It is disease care. And so they are thinking about things through the lens of when this person comes to me, what algorithm do I put them into that spits out the diagnosis? And so if you have this, this, and this, you have this disease. And then my manual tells me I use these medications to treat that disease. So if you don't fit that box, or you don't want that treatment, there's not a ton that conventional medicine is really going to be able to offer you. 
it's super unfortunate that the, that's the place that we've got. And it's very yeah. money driven, which we don't need to get mm-hmm. into that. That's a whole nother yeah. conversation. But so let's get more into some of the practical stuff that you've done from your business from a standpoint. So let's go like day one. So, okay, you doctor told you like you're on your own. You got to figure out your own health thing. You decided to essentially turn that into what you do now as a profession. How did mm-hmm. the early stages of that look like? And how did you get started? How did you get your first client? What, what does that look like? So I went back to school to get my graduate degree in uh, functional medicine and human nutrition. And in my last year in grad school, I started working with a clinic that was, I call it like functional medicine leaning. Um, so they were aware of it. They go to some trainings, um, but they weren't exactly fully practicing it. So they were very friendly to it. So I started off at that clinic and being the nutritionist for the doctors. So the doctors realized, okay, this patient has something going on that's nutrition can help. And then they would refer to me. So I did that for about three years, working, getting all this great experience, working under the supervision of the main doctor there who was fully functional medicine, medicine trained. And that gave me all of the, like the confidence and the exposure to different ideas and treatments. And I got to meet with all kinds of supplement reps and lab reps, and just know all the ins and outs of the industry. And I'm very, um, fast moving. I evolve constantly. I'm changing my ways all the time. And that doesn't really work in a very large practice, especially one that still is using insurance and has a a foot in the door of conventional medicine. So I ended up needing to move on from that. So in 2019, I opened my own practice, uh, super scared, (laughs) no idea what I was doing, no business experience or anything like that, but I was able to have a full schedule within three months. So I was, I was shocked by that, but I think what really helped me was that while I was still at the clinic, I had already had a blog. So I had a website and a blog um, because I wanted to have like an evidence-based explanation for why I was working with a client in this way. So when they would ask me a question and I'd have like, you know, 10 or 15 people ask me the same question, then in my head, I was like, I need to write a blog post about that to explain it. So next time they ask me about it, I can just be like, go read this. Mm-hmm. I also created some blogs because I wanted them to have something they could print out and bring to their doctor when their doctor was like, you need 1200 milligrams of calcium carbonate for your bone health. And I'm like, that's actually not healthy. And so I would create (laughs) a blog post with all the research showing why they don't need to be doing that, that they could then bring to the doctor and kind of explain why they're not listening. (laughs) I can, I can be candor. I love your disagreeableness of like a doctor's like, you should be doing this. And you're like, no, nah, that's actually dumb. Like, I don't know why you're doing that. <laughs> I, I think it comes from being from Detroit. I'm like, not uh, afraid to be slightly confrontational in a respectful <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. So uh, let's dig into that a little bit more. So you had a full practice within three months. Do you think that has to do with the fact that you probably had a blog following and they just kind of transitioned into being your patients or like, tell me more. Yeah. Cause I think some people already knew about me. So when I saw a patient at the clinic, um, they might tell their neighbor or their friend or their mom or things like that about me. And so it gave people the ability to subscribe to my newsletter and see what I was putting out. So there was already that trust factor. And so when I emailed my list and let them know, Hey, I started my own practice. And there were a ton of people that were like, okay, now I'll see you because they didn't know the clinic that I was working at. They didn't know what it was going to be like, or, you know, if how much flexibility I had to kind of practice the way I wanted. So once they found out I was on my own, then I was like, I know exactly what I'm getting. 
Um, so I think that helped, um, people who had just been familiar with me to finally pull the plug and be like, yeah, it's time for me to go see her. And then also some patients that I had been seeing at the clinic were able to find me. Um, because I, you know, they had already been interacting with me on my website. I love that. So were you also sending emails to those people, like while you're working at that other company or were you just blogging and then just pushing out the blog? Yeah, I was just blogging and then pushing out an email, um, to anyone on my list that I had released a new blog post. Um, so the blogs, like the doctors use the blog post, you know, so the practice found value in that because it was helping to train everyone and all the patients at the clinic could, you know, utilize that information. And I talked sometimes about supplements and they sold supplements there. So like they found value to me doing that because they weren't paying me for it. Mm. <laughs> I was doing that on my own time and yet they could use it to improve their patient's experience. Plus it just allowed me to have a way for anyone to interact directly with me, not have to go through the clinic. So you were sort of becoming the thought leader. Obviously other people referring to you in terms of like, if you need more information on this, go to Katie. She obviously knows a lot about this. Hmm. I guess you could put it that way. <laughs> Seriously. Cause that sounds what was happening is that you became the resource or the person that people turned to when they had questions about this. Mm-hmm. And so were you, were you targeting like specific topics, specific people? Was it just questions that people, your patients were asking you? How did you figure out your content? It was really just based off of what I saw being asked over and over again, um, or what I felt strongly about that they might need some evidence in order to put it into action. So anything that like just needed more explanation that I wasn't going to have time to do in the appointments or that I just felt like either the doctors or the uh, clients were asking repeatedly about. So I'm really, really big on efficiency. (laughs) So it's like, if I've had to repeat myself like more than 10 times on something, it's getting written down somewhere and it's going to be able to be copy and pasted or easily referenced. (laughs) As crazy as this sounds for somebody, I'm more on the tech side of this industry now. And so uh, you'd be a great programmer because that's what programming is, is anytime you have to do something more than once, you essentially are just creating a system so that it does it automatically. If it could be repeated, it can be automated. That's all programming Mm. is. Total tangent. But so (laughs) let's get more into, okay, so you have a full practice. And so let's speak to anybody that's maybe in that position of, all right, I have more patients that I know what to do. What do I do next? Yeah. Oh man, it was a a hard year uh, before I had anyone helping me out with anything. So you definitely have to be motivated because I was definitely putting in like 70 hour weeks regularly. I know because it was like during the day, I just did seeing clients and then the evenings and weekends was for all the things about running a business. So after kind of realizing that I had reached my max, which I would recommend people don't wait that long. (laughs) Don't wait until you've reached your max if you can stand it. But I was like, okay, I need to start hiring someone. And I didn't really know what that would look like, but I knew I needed another nutritionist to help me see my patients. And I am a like alumni uh, ambassador kind of person for my graduate school. And so they send interested people in their program or people who've graduated and need some help kind of figuring, getting their bearings to me. And so I actually had an email from a fellow alumni and she was just like, Hey, I need a supervisor to get my certificate. Do you have anyone you could recommend? I'm you know, also kind of just looking for like how to get these hours and I was like, yeah, I know someone myself. (laughs) Um, So that's how I got my first employee. Also would not recommend that (laughs) because Mm. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't go through the full hiring process. So I had no idea what I was really doing. It was just kind of like, this is a need. Here's someone who can meet it. Let's run with it, which tends to be how I do things. I'm kind of impulsive. 
which I think a lot of entrepreneurs are. And so um, I think it's just so much more effective when you're like being really thoughtful and intentional and you have like a plan and you have questions that, you know, are going to help you to figure out if they're a good fit and where they would fit. And then you have like a handbook and policies and the employee knows what to expect and all of that. And so because I didn't have those things, I just per, like give the most kudos to my first employee because she put up with so much because nothing was decided ahead of time. And, but yeah, I wanted her to excel in everything she did. And so it was like uh, really hard for her because she didn't know what my expectations were because I didn't have that written down somewhere, but yet it was like, I, I need you to perform well. And I didn't really define what that meant. Totally. I always tell people that if your business systems are in your head, that's not where your business should be. Mm-hmm. If you yeah, don't have the systems, the yeah. If you don't have the systems and processes in place, you're kind of in trouble. I literally just before this call, Katie got off the phone with another PT out of Austin, Texas, and she's literally been practicing for I think 30 years, and she still to this day doesn't have like the playbook. She still to this day doesn't wow. have the handbook on how she's doing this. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like. <laughs> one person leaves or you want to eventually sell this thing, how are you right. ever going to hand this to somebody else? So what do you recommend? So is that something that you started doing was you started figuring out those systems and then just writing that out and giving that to the person that you hired? Or how did you figure out your standard operating procedures? Yeah, I just started writing everything down that I do. So I just created a Google Drive document and just started writing everything down when my uh, new hire who ended up being my nutritionist and my office manager. So She's running the support inbox and the calendar and all that kind of stuff. It's like, anytime she asks me how to do something and I reply in an email, I take whatever is in that email and put it in the standard operating procedures that I have in drive. Same thing on her end, anything that she's like, Hey, what do I do with this? And then I reply, and then I'll say like, why don't you add this to, to the drive doc and put all the details that you would think of that I wouldn't think of because it's just in my head. So it's super helpful to just have that outside perspective helping me to work on it because there's way more in that drive document than there would have been if it was just me trying to think through it because mm-hmm. I don't like I don't know what I just naturally know that others aren't going to know. So I'm totally speaking from somebody who's also figuring this out myself. So that's kind of the reason mm-hmm. I'm asking all these questions. And so I love <laughs> your idea about the checklist. And there's actually a great book about that, the checklist manifesto. I remember mm-hmm. what doctor actually wrote about it. Great book, but basically he talked about how even something like a surgical procedure, like if you don't have a very specific Mm. checklist, things get missed. Well, all businesses are the exact same way. Do you have a specific process in terms of getting clients and getting referrals and getting more people in the door? So it's just been really through patients themselves has been the biggest area. And that is through having everything be as like clinically excellent as possible, you know, through just making sure that all the resources that we're providing would answer any of their questions and help them to know why they're doing what they're doing to our backend um, electronic health record is uh, really efficient. And it's, you know, nice to look at and it houses everything that we need, you know, to our response times and the ability for them to reach out to us in between. I think all of those things help the patient to want to talk about us more in addition to, of course, just the results that they get, you know, so there's like the whole experience of it, not just like, what can you do, but it's like, how are you doing it? So that has been uh, the biggest way is just people are just referring to us. Um, But then I also have doctors and other providers that I've established relationships with, usually because I've used them myself, (laughs) because I always have my health issues that I'm working through. 
And then I seek out someone who's like-minded and start working with them. And then I'm like, Hey, you could really help a lot of my patients. And then they're like, Hey, you could too. So I would say that's how I've ended up with a number of referring providers. I'm not utilizing that to the max that I could. I want to be able to have like a regular practitioner newsletter where I'm sending them case studies and testimonials as well as interesting research, but we do get a number of referrals from them. And then we're also listed on the Institute for Functional Medicine's website as a practitioner. And then of course, Google. So when people type in nutritionist Fort Worth or functional medicine, Fort Worth for one of the top options, because we have like 14 reviews and like most nutritionists have zero, or if they do, it's like one or two. So it's not a hard market. <laughs> right. So are you, where are you funneling all these people? So it seems like let's say you get a referral or somebody looks you up online or a doctor refers you like, where are they ending up? Are they just like reaching out on your contact form? Do you mm -hmm. have like some sort of freebie? Like, how does that look? So they are uh, reaching out on the contact form or they are just scheduling a discovery call. So on our website, we have a calendar so they can click the get started tab and then click book an appointment and they can book a complimentary 15 minute call. So we usually do like two to four of those per week. And then we have the contact form that goes to our support inbox that my office manager helps to look through. And then I would say the ones that come from doctors, they usually just end up calling us, which is like, I always want to avoid because getting on the phone with people when it's not scheduled, like, you know, is not usually efficient. So I have, I, you know, I've given my cards and our brochures of our practice to the providers, but uh, somehow they just usually end up their patients call us. And so I have like a time of day each week where I go back and uh, call those people and do basically an impromptu complimentary discovery call. Yeah, I was say, so then when I do that discovery call, I kind of decide after knowing their story, which provider in my practice would be best to see them because there's four of us total now. Wow. Congrats. Um, Thank you. I love your focus on efficiency. I know <laughs> something I'm trying to figure out more as well is just like how to automate things mm. um, and figuring out different ways, even like something as simple as I now try to do almost all my quote unquote meetings or calls, like just on the phone versus zoom, because mm. then I can walk and talk and I don't have to mm. actually be sitting at a computer. Yeah. Um, but so like little things like that, are there any ways that you figured out like productivity hacks like that in your own life or your own business? Yeah, I know. And I think the you have to kind of know what your motivation is in order to, you know, have something like this be a principle, because like, if you don't have it as a principle, you're not going to figure it out because efficiency isn't like a protocol you can read and then just apply it. You know, like efficiency is so customized to how you do business. Boy. So you really need to have like the mindset for it in order to figure out where your inefficiencies are and to constantly be changing them. Um, and for myself, a big motivation for this mindset is just wanting to always keep our prices as affordable as possible. And so it's like the more time that we're working on our practice, like we need to be paid for that time. And so then it keeps the price higher for what the patient's going to pay for. So if we can reduce the inefficiencies, reduce the amount of time that we're spending outside of an appointment, then we don't need to charge as much for that appointment. And then it's more accessible to everyone. Like my mom, when we were growing up, she could not see natural providers. She could only see who her insurance would pay for. And I don't want that to be the case. And it usually is the case for functional medicine at this time. So that's one of the reasons why it's so important that I'm always finding ways to make things more efficient. But some hacks for making things efficient would be writing down everything that you say. So we have a document called client communication. And when people have asked us something over and over again, then I think through like what the best response is going to be. I put it in that document. So that the next time we get asked that question is just copy and paste. 
So like we have that for, Hey, I had to take antibiotics, anything special I need to do, or I'm starting to have really bad allergies. And my doctor said I should get on steroids. Do you have something else I could do or uh, COVID. So, you know, we had to start creating new ones and, and we're continuing to create new ones. It's like, I've got COVID. What do I do about it? <laughs> and if we're trying to like think through like, what's the best thing to do each time, then, you know, that's really going to take time. And so we can have things that we copy and paste, and then we can always, you know, customize it a little bit based on what's going on with that patient. And then same thing on the business level. If I'm telling my employees something over and over again, it gets put somewhere. And then I tell them at our team meetings, Hey, go and read this. That's available now. That's, you know, you always look at whatever resources we have first before asking me a question. So I utilize Trello, the project management tool. It's the cheaper sister of Asana. And so anything that I want my employees to do, then it goes on a Trello card. And then I can see that they've done it. If they have me have a question about it, they comment on the card. So we're not doing like ad hoc communication. That's like, what was that in regards to again? Or, you know, having to go spend time, like looking up what they're talking about. It's like all on that card relates to that project. I can see when it's done. They don't have to email me and let me know. And then I have to read the email and then I just move it to the done column. And then they know that I've reviewed it and that I have approved it and then they can get rid of it. So it just kind of helps us to like be able to move through things without having to like do meetings and be on the phone and an email and all that kind of stuff. Are you sure you weren't a programmer in your past lifetime? Because like... (laughs) No, I don't even really know what a programmer is. <laughs> you're like, you're so structured and project man- management system oriented. And I love it. Like, I almost want to take a peer into like your documents and see how this is all organized. But I think it's great. I know you have a belief as well in terms of like knowing what you stand for and what kind of results a patient might expect out of being with you or working with you. Can you dive into mm-hmm. that a little bit? Yeah. So this kind of gets into branding stuff is kind of knowing what your culture is and that makes it a lot easier for people to refer to you because they know what experience that person they refer to is going to get because they know that that's something we stand for. It's not just like something that just happened to be that day. So I do think that, you know, working on clear messaging helps to make your brand more clear, which makes it feel safer to send your loved one or friend over to that brand. So our clear messaging is that we are a judgment-free zone, um, that we are always going to help you to focus on the positive. Um, it's so easy when, you know, showing someone your food journal <laughs> to be like really nervous and be like, I'm not going to put the Reese's on there. And I'm not going to put the fact that I added half and half to my coffee and I'm supposed to be dairy free or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, if we're not vulnerable, if we're not transparent, we're not really going to transform. So we have to always reinforce each appointment. Like this is a judgment-free zone. We're not going to judge you. And we're going to help you to stop judging yourself in order for it to be totally judgment-free. And we always focus on the positive. So it's not like I want to stop having joint pain. It's like, I want to have joint comfort. So we're going to help people with like the languaging to stay more positive and think about what you do want in your life. And then we're always trying to get to the deepest root causes. Um, so that's why we're going to talk a lot about mental and emotional health rather than just physical. And I think that's a big draw for a lot of people to our practice because it's not something a lot of people are doing. And that's usually one of the deepest root causes. You know, it's like people talk about root causes in functional medicine, like, oh, well, maybe your gut infection is what's really causing your food sensitivities or really causing your bloating. And it's like, yeah, but what caused that gut infection? Why did the immune system allow that thing to live there? 
there's probably some type of stress going on, suppressing the immune system that we need to address. So we're always going deeper. And then the last one is the least amount of effort and intervention for the most amount of results, mm. which again, I think is something that differentiates us from a lot of other functional medicine practitioners. So it's like, if this test is not absolutely needed for you to feel better than you do today, we're not running it right now. If this supplement is not needed for you to, you know, make progress from where you are today, we're not going to add it. So like, we just start with like the most foundational things. Let's see how you improve. Okay. That's not going away. Now we'll add in something. So we're trying to reduce the overwhelm, the cost and make it again, more accessible, more approachable for people. If you're not transparent, it's not transformational. I love that statement. Thank you. I do. It, it says a lot to the fact of if we're not honest with ourselves, especially, but also with the people that we're working with, then how can we expect transformational results? What would you say is the most expensive lesson you've learned since starting your business? The quick and easy first lesson is I thought it'd be super simple to trademark. <laughs> so like I purchased a trademark lawyer online and I was like, here's the program that I have, let's trademark it. And then he was like, yeah, no, you can't use that term. And I was like, well, there's no term like it. And he's like, well, this one's close enough. So you can't use it. I was like, okay, fine. Then how about this one? And we've gone back and forth like four times. I just don't have anything that can be trademarkable and <laughs> spend a good amount of money on it. <laughs> so I would say that's definitely been one is like, I need to have known better what it actually means to trademark something rather than just be all gung-ho about like, I've got something original. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the second thing that has really been definitely the most expensive, not only in terms of, uh, financial costs, but emotional cost um, has been not knowing how to hire. It has been a painful process to figure that out. So I have gone through, let's see, I've had one, two, three, four, five, six hires and one contractor, and I have three employees right now. So it's been a 50% effectiveness rate, which is not something I'm satisfied with. <laughs> so I had to kind of figure out, like I was saying before, like how to apply the whole like systems and processes and, you know, being intentional and thinking about excellence to something that I'd never done before, that I'd never gone to school for before, never been around. And so I didn't know what I didn't know until I had gone through the process and hired people that were not good fits and you know, they weren't getting the support that they needed from me or the freedom. I wasn't getting the results that I needed from them. And that causes a heck of a lot of stress. What's the best advice you could give for somebody that they were trying to hire their first employee? Mm, I would say knowing exactly what it is that you're looking for so that you can articulate it. So like my job description got so much better between each hiring round. So I didn't really know, like, I know now like what my brand is, but like, I didn't know what the brand of like my work culture was. Like I knew what it was with the patient, but I didn't really know what that was with my work culture. So I probably could have figured it out if I like really, you know, scheduled off a couple of hours and just like sat and thought through it. I'm just really not good about sitting and thinking, <laughs> really good at doing. <laughs> so I took like finding out what wasn't working over and over again to know what it was that I was actually looking for. Hmm. And then I was able to create a job description and interview questions and even use like an employment questionnaire that would let me know if I was actually finding what I was looking for. Hmm. I think your 
error towards action versus thinking has obviously got you to where you are today. So I wouldn't count that off at all. But I will, I do have another question on top of that then though, too, is that what relationships do you feel like have been the most important in terms of building and scaling your business? Is there one or two in particular that you feel like have just really made the biggest result in helping you grow? Uh, Yeah, there is. I did back in March of, geez, I think it was 2020, um, the uh, B School by Marie Forleo. And so it stands for a business school. And it's like a two-month online program. It's offered once a year. Everyone does it live together. And the content is like rolled out each week. And it walks you through a lot of some of what I've talked with you guys today about the uh, how to get clear on your messaging, how to know your brand, how to communicate that and make that obvious to other people, how to create a website that's going to speak to your ideal client rather than just be like a resume. And so I learned a lot of that through that program systems. Uh, I learned systems through that. So I would say that that was a big one. And then in person, I've had um, a... Uh, a fellow business owner, we actually used to work together at a physical therapy practice. And since then we've both gone on and started our own businesses. And she's already got like over 20 employees uh, running a physical therapy practice. I mean, she's been doing it for like four years. So hers went really fast and she's doing so well. And so I've sat with her a couple of times to be like, oh my gosh, I, I just want to go back to being a single practitioner. I cannot handle this anymore. And then she like, talks me through it and lets me know like, oh, actually what you're experiencing is pretty normal. And then gives me some of her tips that she's learned. Um, so that's been just good to have like a little cheerleader in my corner. <laughs> that's huge. No, that's, that's amazing just to have, I mean, there's so much of that is comes down to like, she's also instilling belief as yes. well in that, like, mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, you can do this. Like, what are you so concerned about? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's definitely what you need. You know, the belief, the mindset, doesn't matter if that's you know, with how you approach your hiring process, if that's how you approach talking about yourself as a business or what you're sharing with your clients, like that's really what all of this comes down to. Because if you don't have the beliefs and the mindset, then you can have the best advice in the world. It doesn't do anything, you know? Totally. So regardless of what your area of healthcare is, like if you're, if you've been neglecting that, then you're leaving a lot of value to patients on the table. I love that. I love the focus towards patients. I have one final question before I ask that question though. Tell people where they can find you. Find me at my website, katiegarrett.com. I am actually going through a rebrand because again, I'm always doing something. Um, so I'm going to be rebranding the business. So that's not just my name. So eventually that will go to a different website. And then you can also just find me on Facebook and Instagram. It's just Katie Garrett on Instagram and it's Katie Garrett Wise Wellness on Facebook. And are you rebranding because you want to be under a business name versus your own name? Yeah, I want it to be when people come to our practice, they feel just as motivated to see any of the providers and not just myself. So I want it to be more of a team and a collaboration rather than like the one girl who knows it all. And then you can like go see her minions, you know, like I don't want that, (laughs) (laughs) but I want that ideal in people's heads. And I feel like when it's called after my name, that's how people are going to think of it. Well, uh, you're incredibly business-minded just having that mentality behind it. So kudos to that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Final question. So let's say you were to start over. Beginning stages, you just wanted to get going. Maybe you just got out of school. You wanted to start your practice. What's maybe the best piece of advice you could give to your past self or somebody else in a similar situation to just kind of get started and get moving? Have someone that you could talk to about the process. 
so you don't have to learn all these lessons through tears and pain. <laughs> so have someone who is a few steps ahead of you that you could both get advice from, as well as be able to see your blind spots and you know get encouragement from. Mm, I love that. We're so blinded by the things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Katie Garrett, thank you. Appreciate you being on the show. We'll make sure to put everything in the show notes. And until next time, thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Before you go, I just want to say thank you for listening to the show. And I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you're looking for more advice on how to market your health business or need help with your website, you can find all my information at coreyha.com. Thanks again and keep hustling, my friends.